श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए ओ प्रेमानंदे लुल बिलाइट वेलकम गोपाल एनी कृष्णदास गुड टू सी यू सो today is the auspicious day commemorating the Panihati festival so we'll say something about that Raghunath Das Goswami was a great devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and um in Anti Leela the story of his meeting with Nityananda Prabhu is uh recorded and also the story of his emancipation from the shackles of material life um it's an interesting history and um many lessons to be learned from it <clears throat> in the middle of that is the panihati festival which is a significant event in the context of his pursuit of really freedom from material life family entanglement and so forth um on the one side but a desire for such he had based on the desire to attain the shelter of the lotus feet of chaitanya mahaprabhu so if we study it carefully we'll see his renunciation had a context it was not a renunciation unto itself hmm? but excuse me as much as material attachments got in the way of his having the shelter of chaitanya mahaprabhu having his association so forth then he desired to be free from them so ours is not a path of renunciation the path of bhakti but renunciation has a part within the context bhakti so it's a very positive uh approach if you will we are pursuing prem love of krishna love of chaitanya mahaprabhu and in the context of that it becomes clear that certain things will not be conducive to that so we then petition them for the strength to be uh, become become freed from those things that we might come closer to our ideals story of chaitanya and raghunath das goswami's attaining the shelter of chaitanya mahaprabhu is um, filled with descriptions of his renunciation but if we read it carefully we study it carefully we'll see as they say it's renunciation in a, in a particular context and that context is very important because why renunciation in and of itself tends to make the heart grow harder you're we talking a little bit about this this morning and how sometimes the devotees they have the 24 hour kirtans and uh and all day fastings and and so forth which are mentioned in the scriptures and so forth but often they enter into them with a very kind of virile male kind of you know perspective of which is ego kind of enhancing rather than ego facing i'm going to fast i'm going you know uh, whether the storm of of my um 
hunger and whatnot in my mind and stay in the kirtan. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it's a very fine line here where we might end up uh, culturing renunciation and the subsequent hardening of the heart as opposed to culturing bhakti and the softening of the heart. And there's a story I've told before of how we were once at uh, Puja Patrita Marsha's Mott in, in Abhadweep and it was Ikadasi. And so there are different ways to observe Ikadasi that the Acharyas have set a standard for over the ages. If we go back to the origin of the idea in the Hari Bhakti Vilas of Gopal Bhatta Goswami and Sanatana Goswami, it's a very uh, strict procedure. The observance begins the night before fasting and fasting all the next day from food and drink and staying up all night hmm, that day and then breaking the fast a certain time the morning afterwards and all night staying up and doing kirtan and and uh, hearing from the, doing harikata and so on and so forth. So uh, it's a difficult uh, kind of a brought commitment and so forth, especially with our weaker frames here, especially in, in, in the West and so forth, prone to luxury and e- life of ease as we are. And so at any rate, we were at the Mott and we were observing a codice and Sridhar Marsh had everyone taking a codice prashad. So it's a, it's a very much of a, of a, um, soft way, if you will, by comparison or adjusted way of observing the ecodicy. No grains, no no beans. So we were eating whatever fruit, rot, yogurt, so no rice and so forth. It was lunchtime. Devotees were situated there. Rather. And there was one disciple of uh, Madhav Maharaj, the godbrother of Sridhar Maharaj's and Prabhupada's who used to stay at Sridhar Maharaj's moth sometimes. And Madhav Maharaj had passed away from the world. He was a brahmachari and older fellow and so that we would we were taking Prashad for Kadasi and he would walk in front of us chanting Japa back and forth. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, you could just hear him, Hare Krishna. And really what he was saying is, You're in Maya. Why are you not observing the Akadasi? You know, like me. Just see, I'm fasting from food and drink and chanting. <laughs> so it was painful to watch. <laughs> but that's what I could that's what I saw. Hmm? That's what I heard through his loud uh, japa and so forth. So we have to be careful about that. It's a fine line. They say, renunciation unto itself tends the heart and the heart. And the goal of bhakti, and bhakti itself, of course, does soften the heart. Mm. So we find in the stories of Raghunath Das, as we'll hear a little bit tonight, an extreme example of uh, renunciation. And sometimes devotees will gravitate towards that, identify with it. It's it's a, it's an aishvarya, an opulence. If someone can exhibit extreme renunciation, they become attractive. People think, "Wow!" I mean, they have some power to re- refrain, uh, to resist. Uh, there must be some power within them that then and. Uh, um, or they have something more valuable. It's very uh, overtly attractive. But unto itself, it tends to attract its opposite, boga. So, uh, boga means enjoyment. So a person will do austerities and so forth and so on. And then boga will come his or her way. 
In other words, people come and offer all types of enjoyable things to the person who's renounced, bring them food, and the next thing you know, the guy was living in the forest, standing on one foot, and the next thing you see him a few years later, he's got a temple and servants and and all uh, built up around him and and so on. So bhoga tends to attract tyag, and tyag tends to go in the direction of bhoga and do course, and these are the courses, if you will, that our life kind of moves on. We move towards enjoying something, we become um, satiated by that, and then we move away from it. And sometimes we say, oh, I'll never do that again. Or, then we find ourselves back doing it again. And So boga and tia, boga and tia. Now, And then there are systematic paths given in the Veda, in the sacred text, for those of a boga and a tiag disposition. How to hone the boga, hone the enjoying spirit in such a way that it takes on a religious color and and you don't incur... Uh, dharma or bad karma, you get positive results, you go to heaven, um, and so on and so forth. Or to hone the tag, the renunciation tendency, such that you do it in a sophisticated way, and the methodology, and you attain mukti. Hmm? So bhakti, of course, comes right in the middle of these two. <clears throat> and um, it incorporates enjoying and it incorporates renunciation as it's appropriate to enjoy in the context of serving Krishna, we will enjoy. Hmm? If I, if you come to the temple, like someone would come sometimes to see Prabhupada and uh, Prabhupada would offer them some prasad and they'd say, sir, thank you very much, I'm fasting. And Prabhupada would say, why? Well, for what purpose? I'm doing a cleanse or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, it actually becomes then, that kind of renunciation becomes an aparad to bhakti when prashad, the grace of the Lord is being offered. You say, no, I'm doing renunciation. Hmm? You understand? So, um, probably try to convince them to take a little prashad. Um, a godbrother of mine was once visiting Chaitanya Saraswat Math of, of Pujapat Sridhar Maharaj. It was Ikadasi. I've told this story before. He was doing kirtan downstairs in the temple. And Sridhar Maharaj was up on his balcony and he was told by his assistant, oh, this is Sanyasi has come. He's doing kirtan. He's leaping high in the air. He was a big man. And he would play the drum like this and leap in the air. Hmm? And uh, he was famous for his kirtan. So afterwards, Sridhar Maharaj has to come up, you know, and we... I wanted to meet him and so forth. So they were chatting. He said, and and, and Shinoj was uh, speaking with him. And he said, I heard in the kirtan you were enthusiastic and leaping high. He said, yes, yes, my, your, your temple is very nice and so forth. And he said, but it is a codice. And still you, you, you are leaping high. Because you know, usually they fast to some extent anyway. If you don't take grains in Bengal or in in northern India or southern India, it depends on the type of grain, rice in the south, rice in Bengal, chapatis in other parts and so forth. Um, now with transportation and all, it's all mixed up, but it used to be, you could only get you know, chapatis in the north and rice in the south. But anyway, so if you didn't eat your grains, you didn't eat that day. It's like Krishnadas' father once said to him, I've told this story before, it's a nice one. he went home to visit his father and so his father said, there's lots of food in the refrigerator, take what you want, you know. So he went and made this like 
big submarine sandwich with cheese and avocado and tomato and lettuce and so forth. His father came and said, aren't you going to put anything on it? Hmm? Because there was no you know, meat on it. His father was thinking, if you don't eat meat, you haven't eaten anything. Krishnadas kind of looked in the refrigerator and he didn't see the meat as food, you know. So it's, it's different perspectives for different animals. So different consciousness. So similarly, anyway, in, 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 in South India, if you haven't eaten rice, you haven't eaten that day. And in the North, if you haven't eaten chapatis, you know, then you, you haven't eaten. So anyway, this is a, a modified uh, form of uh, ob- 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 observance. So anyway, the, the, he, Sridhar Maharaj said, so you'll take some ekadasi prashad to this devotee. And he said, actually, Maharaj, my life, my, my, my vow has been for years now to observe uh, near jalakadasi. means no, no food, no drink, not even water on every ekadasi. And so Sridhar Maharaj said, near and jumping. Huh. It just like didn't like compute with him. We don't see that around here. You, know? you guys are different. You know? <laughs> from a different country, uh, and so he's you know, looking and seeing how Krishna Bhakti Hari Nam is affecting different cultures and thinking about it. You know, and he said, "So you you won't take anything." Hmm? And so then the devotee said, "Well, this has been my vow, but if you want me to take prasad, then I will break my vow." He said, "Oh." You have understood Vaishnavism. Very nice. So he arranged for some prasad for him. So fasting for what? Hmm? Right? For the pleasure of Krishna, for the pleasure of the Vaishnava. But the Vaishnava says take prasad. Then that will be the higher thing to do. Hmm? So we can enjoy, there are scope for enjoying our senses in the context of bhakti. Prasadam can be very tasty, offered to the Lord as it uh, should be, with the best of ingredients and so forth. And so it comes time to take prasad, that time we should say, you know, I'm, uh, I'm fasting. Someone offers. Uh, as a time to enjoy, and there are other times and it may, may be appropriate for, um, for, or renunciation may be required in order to um, serve the Guru or Vaishnava Bhagavan in a particular instance. So Bhakti harmonizes both of these tendencies. She's said to be like the Ganga, the Ganges, that flows from the uh, Himalayas down to the Bay of Bengal. Renunciation, knowledge, action, and so forth. They're like other tributaries that if they connect with the Ganges, they can make it to the Bay of Bengal. Otherwise, if they don't, they just peter out at a certain point. Hmm? So, bhakti is the center. Hmm. In Raghunath Das Goswami, it was a great bhakta. But in the context of his bhakti, then we find considerable renunciation. So we should look to see the bhakti hmm, and put the renunciation in perspective. Otherwise, we'll be an imitation Raghunath Das Goswami and performing all types of austerities, the likes of which are recorded in this, 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 this section, we won't get to all of it, I don't think, but uh, very extreme standards and um, standards that are really not possible practically um, for for us. Pujapachita Marsh once told the Goswamis, 
Raghunathas being one of the six Goswamis, had made a garland of jewels to offer to, to, to Radha Krishna. And to make a garland out of jewels, you have to drill a hole through the, through the gems. That's hard work, he said. So they have dug, drilled the hole, and they've left it for us to put the thread only through. So they've made it easy for us. They set a very extreme, and Raghunath Das Goswami in particular, standard of renunciation that's just not human. It's almost like not humanly possible. And one of the reasons for this is at the time they were establishing Chaitanya Sampradaya, which was based on meditating on the love affairs of Radha and Krishna, which seems rather um, sensuous. And um, also the bhakti path is full of color and music and dance and good food and so forth. All of the things that our enunciate will move away from protect his or her renunciation and so forth. And so it could be misconstrued that these people are just sense enjoyers in the name of Vedanta. So the Goswami set a standard of renunciation that made the Shankars, you know, the, 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 who were the standard of gyan and renunciation, tremble in their, in their loincloths, tremble in their copans. <laughs> so... The, they were very extraordinary. We consider them to have descended along with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for his system in his pastimes. So we cannot uh, imitate them. We should follow our successive acharyas and uh, their modifications of renunciation in such a way that are meant to foster the softening of the heart and the promotion of, of bhakti. So... Very extreme was the standard, and there are reasons for it. And um, so the story goes that he was trying to leave the uh, shackles, if you will, of family life. He came from an extremely wealthy family. And his family uh, elders were close friends with the family of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is a difficulty. <laughs> I'll give you an example of what I mean. I was once talking with Puja Pachita Marsha and he told me that, that uh, Prabhupada had come to him and asked him for sannyas. And he said, and I had two thoughts. I thought that, well, he has just left the wife and family for different reasons, um, and for good reasons, as it, as, it, uh, no, as it turned out. You know, she had sold his Bhagavatam for tea biscuits, and he said, it's either, you know, what is tea or me or something like that. You, know, you want the tea, and we, I said, we got the me, you know, we got him, so we were lucky. <laughs> but um, that was the last straw, so to speak. Yeah. So this uh, religious man uh, with his chemical business and so forth, as he was seen in the community, suddenly just walked out. Hmm. Just depending on on Krishna. Um, so, Siddhartha said, well, you know, he had lived in his house for six years. Prabhupada had hosted him for six years, so he knew him very well. He knew his relationship with his wife and everything. And <laughs> he was intimately connected with the family. 
They probably had a couple of sons and uh, a few sons and so forth. Anyway, so Sridhar said, I thought, well, he's just left the family. Maybe we should wait a little bit, see if this is going to hold, you know. And uh, secondly, he said, I was close friends with his family, so I don't want them coming to my house here, my moth, and causing a disturbance, you know. You've taken our father, you've taken my husband, you know, this kind of thing. So he said, I kind of like held off a little bit. But he was so enthusiastic, he just went straight to Keshav Maharaj and Vrindavan, and he gave him sannyas, so, you know more power to him, so to speak. You know, he was appreciative. But the point here being that uh, Raghunath Das Goswami's family elders were close with the family of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and they were very wealthy. So their wealth was a bondage to him because he had everything. And they, they, they would buy him this, they would buy him that, and he had everything going for him. And if he wanted to leave home, well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's family would would was they might say uh, there might be some I mean Mahaprabhu of course was already uh, a sannyasi at this time and so forth but nonetheless it it made it Mahaprabhu was a you know a sham of a sannyasi he was attached to all of his devotees he became took sannyas for the sake of preaching but he was really attached to his mother and all of his eternal associates and so forth as he should be. And so these were also his associates, and in the context of the Leela, then, um, it was a little more difficult for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to uh, just kind of take him in without there being um, some uh, kind of social ramifications and awkwardness and so forth. <laughs> so uh, he was trying to get to break free and the family would keep bringing him back and uh, and um, and they had arranged wife for him and the guru for him and everything and uh, so he had a religious life every what anything he wanted I mean they were very 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 wealthy extremely wealthy people for the time and they had a gold standard so you know they had lots of gold and uh, so this was, he was in a double kind of a bind from a social point of view and from an economical point of view. It was, um, he had a lot going for him. And, uh, you know, when you have a lot going for you, it's, you don't have any negative impetus. So this is an important point that I'm making. As I said earlier, let's see where's the renunciation, where's the bhakti in his life. Renunciation is largely comes from a negative impetus, the frustration from trying to enjoy, the futility of that, the fact that it never satisfies, that you can never get enough. You think you, if you could just acquire this, you'll be satisfied and you find that you're not and it's just endless. And you think about it, forget it, this isn't working. I can't own everything or own enough to satisfy my senses, so I'll renounce. Hmm? So, but Raghunathas Goswami had zero uh, in a sense, negative impetus from a material point of view. He had everything going for him. So the real basis for his renunciation, again, was totally positive impetus to attain the shelter of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to, get his, to be his associate, eternal associate. Hmm? Now, we are fortunate that um, we don't have the same standard of, of uh, living of Raghunathas most of us, so we have a little negative impetus. <laughs> and the times are full with negative impetuses. Uh, 
these days, so that's fortunate. A little negative impetus can help, but primarily we should be going on the basis of a positive impetus. This was wholly the case of Raghunath Das Goswami, and see then the power, as we will, of his renunciation. Try he did, at any rate. They kept bringing him back and making arrangements. It was very difficult for him to get free. Hmm? If he would break loose and you know, try to just run away from home. The point is, these people had money, and so, you know, the neighborhood was like, oh, you know, Raghunathas is going, let's find, you know, and they'd find him, and they'd pay people to go out, you know, and hunt him down, and and it was like, you know, somebody had a big budget, and they wanted to have their son deprogrammed, you know, from the Hare Krishna movement, you know, so ready to pay whatever it is, you know, for some guy to come in and save him from the brainwashing of, of, of Prabhupada. Um, so this was his uh, situation. And try and try again, he was unsuccessful. And um, then he had the good fortune hmm, to be in the area of Panihati. And I've been to Panihati in West Bengal. Once um, we were in Mayapur with uh, Prabhupada and he was invited to Panihati. And this is a famous place. This is a place where Raghunath Das Goswami got the uh, kripa, the blessing of Nityananda Prabhu, hmm, which enabled him uh, to attain the feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, um, and there's a famous festival there. We're, we're, we're going to get to that. This is the day of that festival on the Vaishnava calendar. Um, so anyway, Prabhupada went to Panihati. Uh, he was invited by the villagers there, and so he went with an entourage. I was fortunate to go with him. He spent the whole day there and, and took prasad. On that day, just as a side note, Prabhupada was a little weak, and he was standing up, and I was behind him, and he fell over, and, he, and I grabbed him. He fell into my arms. I was behind him, so I grabbed him around the waist and, and held him up, and I felt that he's holding up the whole world, and I'm holding him up. <laughs> Where am I? So... Anyway, I had the good fortune to go to Panihati and take prasad there in the commemoration of this uh, event as they commemorate it every year in a big way. <clears throat> so Nityananda Prabhu happened to be in Panihati and Raghunath Das happened to be in Panihati and Nityananda Prabhu was not alone, of course. He was with all of his principal associates, Dhananjai Pandit, Goridas, Udharanadatta um, Thakur, uh, Miniketan around us, all these powerful, powerful mystical devotees who were his eternal associates in Krishna Leela, all cowherd boys, all crazy people appearing in the Gaur Leela. And some of their activities are recorded in Chaitanya Charge. I mean, I mean, crazy things they did. Hmm? Uh, like uh, wrestling with tigers, the Bengal tiger. and I mean, they were, <laughs> they were really... Like Nityananda Prabhu himself, very extraordinary. So you can imagine, there he is, Nityananda Prabhu, with, with his eternal entourage, and they are just mad with Krishna Prem, just mad with Gaur Prem on the bank of the Ganges. And Nityananda Prabhu says, Let's have a festival. Hmm? You know, there they were, on the bank of the Ganges, in the forest, and with all of his associates, and suddenly. Nityananda Prabhu was transported into Krishna Leela. Hmm? And there he is in midday hmm? with all of his eternal 
coward associates, and they're having a picnic lunch in Vrindavan. Hmm? And one of them says, Raghunathas has come. Hmm? Here he is, paying his respects at a distance. Nityananda Prabhu looks and says, Bring that thief over here. <laughs> and Raghunath Das says, no, no, he's not coming close. And so they just bring him over. And Nityananda Prabhu says, you're a thief. Thief stayed a, stayed a distance. And they try to hide. Hmm? So I've caught you now. You, must, you have to stay here with me. So, <laughs> so then he, he ordered him, I want to have a festival. Now, Raghunathas is extremely wealthy, so he said, at your command, you know, let there be a festival, I'll arrange it. Uh, and so he said, bring milk, bring yogurt, chipped rice, and so forth. You may remember the famous um, depiction of Krishna in his um, picnic lunch leela in relation to the killing of Agasura. Hmm? On that day, Uh, Krishna rose early in the morning. Usually he arises later than Balaram who blows his buffalo horn bugle and wakes up all the zillions of cowards, all the gopas. And they all jump out of bed and rush out of their homes as their mothers are trying to put something in their mouths and decorate them. Off they go to Krishna's house, meet in the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj. They're ready to go. Hmm? And so this morning, Krishna got up early with a special plan in mind. He blew the bugle, and all the cowards came, and Balaram couldn't come because he had a relative from Mathura visiting, and uh, he, he sent a message to Krishna. Oh, I'm sitting here and I'm trapped by my relative who's sitting here like a like a log lodge here in my house. I can't get out. You can imagine like a young kid wants to go and some relative's got to he's got to go through all the formalities and so forth. So this was Balaram's plight, but he said, "I can understand. You've got something special in mind today that you're up early. So have a good one, you know." <laughs> and Sure enough, they went out and they took a picnic lunch with them. Normally, there would be lunch would be sent out. Different gopis would, would bring lunch to the cowherds from Mother Yashoda. So with this time, they took in the morning with them. Off they went, and picnicking and so forth. And then there was the meeting of the Agasur and so forth. And, and there it's beautifully, beautifully depicted, hmm, the setting of Krishna with all these cowherds taking their lunch. So here's Nityananda Prabhu remembering this Leela and the fact that he didn't get to go on that day and so he's he's having another one, you know, at my own picnic, you know. And and we'll see and I'll invite Krishna here. I'll bring Chaitanya Mahaprabhu here. So so this is what we kind of from a Rasik point of view, from Baba point of view, what was uh, you know, going on in the heart of Nityananda Prabhu and uh, Raghunathas who's the gopi in Krishna Leela, Manjari. He's being commissioned by Ram, Nityananda Ram, go and arrange. So he brought, in the famous picture is Krishna with his left hand holding rice, chipped rice and yogurt and little fruit in his hand. So this was arranged then. He bought chipped rice, yogurt 
milk, bananas, a certain type of banana and so forth, brought them there in huge quantity. And Nityananda Prabhu was there with his associates, so it starts getting broadcast in the community. Nityananda Prabhu is here, there's a festival, free meal over here. So there are all people coming from everywhere. All the Brahmins are coming and so on and so forth. So Nityananda Prabhu was sitting on high with all of his associates, immediate associates around him. Raghunathas is just, just emptying his wallet, <clears throat> buying all the yogurt in town, all the yogurt in Panihati, all the milk, all the chipped rice and bananas and so forth, and earthen pots that it will be served in, and big earthen pots that it will be mixed in and so forth. And so he spends all the money that he had on hand for a huge festival. The way it's described here in the text is that you can see it, it's the, the, the Krishna is using a poetic license, but the people keep growing and growing and and they're sitting around it and under that sitting at his feet on a raised platform. He let the Brahmins sit along with his associates. They ran out of room there. They sat on the ground, ran out of the room there. They went down to the bank of the Ganges and practically they're sitting on one another and the idea is like lots and lots of people came. This was a huge event in Panihati, Nityananda Prabhu, I mean, Balaram and his cowards just showed up in your village and they wanted to have a festival. So, uh, lots and lots of food, so lots and lots of cost. So, Raghunath didn't, without a, without a second thought, he didn't think, well, 10%, you know, he gave just like everything. <laughs> he gave everything. And uh, so, all that was arranged and distributed to everyone and Nityananda Prabhu was, was, was eating, and then in his meditation, he called uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu there. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, but only a few people could see him. Hmm? And he took the chipped rice, he put it in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mouth. Mahaprabhu took it, put it in his mouth, and like, it's just like the Leela uh, from the Bhagavatam, this Agasura Leela. Brahma's coming in on his swan, Vidhi, he's called, the personification of following the rules and doing it right and so forth. And there's Krishna eating with his left hand. <laughs> and then he's, not only that, he's putting food in the coward's mouth. And and then they're taking food out of their mouth and putting it in his mouth. And, you know, it's just like, what? You know, these people are like jungle people. They're not sophisticated, you know. Uh, and so forth, and, and the gods are making a commotion out of this. Who is this person? Uh, so, this is called Brahma Vimohan Lila, where Brahma becomes not Mohana, bewildered, but Vimohana, very bewildered. It's, it goes over three or four chapters of Bhagavatam, very important chapters. In the chapters of this Lila, it's demonstrated through the narrative of the Lila that Krishna is the source of Narayan. That's uh, the topic in the Bhagavatam that's coming up next when we continue our discussions on into the third chapter. There it's mentioned in, in sutra form, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, means Krishna is really the source of Narayan, but in the context of the Leela, as Brahma Vimohan Leela, it's brought out. Krishna in the end, to cut there for a moment to that point, showed millions of um, uh, Narayans emanating from himself, from whom millions of universes emanated. So we figure if the universe emanates from Narayan, everything must be coming from him. But from Krishna was innumerable Narayans and the multiverse coming out of them. So it's an important uh, section. And here Chaitanya was reliving it uh, and the day that he missed, so to speak. And he's bringing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu there, Krishna himself, 
putting the food in his mouth and so forth. And some of the fortunate devotees could could see it. Hmm? And so everyone was satisfied. And then Raghava Pandit, another important devotee, who used to cook for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it is said that he every Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave a blessing that whenever Raghunath um, or uh, Raghavendra, Raghava Pandit, whenever Raghava Pandit cooks, I personally come there and eat. Hmm? So he had this kind of a blessing, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would mystically come and eat the food. So he said, he shows up and says, "I cooked lunch today at my house and offered it, but it hasn't been eaten." And I heard there's something going on in Padihati, and now I see why. Hmm? Because you come here and you're eating. You're, you get a blessing, you'd always come to my house. Well, this is a special event here, you know, Nityananda Prabhu said. Hmm? So you eat too, and we'll come to your house for dinner. <laughs> so this is the kind of devotees who are the eternal associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu. He could understand. Chaitanya and Nityananda are eating somewhere else today. <laughs> in a grand style. So they haven't come here mystically. They're so preoccupied there with something that they haven't come to my house mystically. In other words, every day they would eat somewhere, but mystically they'd still come there. But this day they didn't show up there. So he traced it out, and it didn't people said, we'll come in the evening. So go ahead, cook it up. We've got a big appetite. This is just an appetizer for us. So, this way, the festival went on. Everyone was satisfied and so forth. And, and, uh, and, and, um, and Raghunathas Goswami pleased Nityananda Prabhu, hmm? who wanted to taste this uh, picnic lunch leela. said there by Krishna's Kaviras Goswami, the devotees looked around at one another during the festival and they thought, are we on the banks of the Jamuna? in Vrindavan, taking Prashad with Krishna and Balaram. Hmm? They had flash like that. Hmm? Some of them could understand, yes, some of them would think, is this really happening? Hmm? This is the nature of the Gaur-lila. In Gaur-lila, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has his own Leela, and in the context of that, sometimes in a trance he goes into Krishna Leela, and the devotees will follow hmm? in their corresponding swaroops in and out from Krishna Lila, Gaur Lila. Hmm? So they had this experience. They thought, are we in Vrindavan? Are we cowards? Hmm? So uh, it was a very extraordinary event and it was really uh, uh, kind of uh, fueled, if you will, uh, besides the Bhava in a practical sense by Raghunathas Goswami, who was being tested in a sense. He was wealthy. He spent all of his wealth that day. Hmm? that he had. Hmm? And so then it came to the evening to come to Raghava Pandit's house where the the dinner would be served and um, Raghunath Das helped to arrange for all of that as well. He was called to eat. He wouldn't eat until everyone was finished. All the devotees were satisfied. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally came there and sat. And... Um, Afterwards, Nityananda Prabhu gave him a blessing, he said. Hmm. He approached Nityananda Prabhu, he stated his case, Nityananda Prabhu said, I give you my blessing, he touched his feet to his head, you will attain the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. Be, be patient. Then Raghunadas Goswami arranged for everybody in the assembly of, Nity- of Nityananda Prabhu to get 
a couple ounces of gold. <laughs> so he took from, you know, he had lots of money. He, so he, Raghavapana made a list of all the associates and decided this one will get this much, this one this much. And so he organized it all and paid for all. He said that he paid for the food, he gave him donation, and money was like, if he could spend money for Krishna consciousness, he wouldn't think for a moment, you know, to do so. We ask, you know, the devotees give some donation, and so we don't, they don't realize we're asking for everything. Hmm? Well, that's the least you can give, so to speak, you know, something, you know, some, that because that we are our money in a sense, you know, that's our attachments, that's our power, you know, to, sustain ourselves as we think and feel and, and so forth that we gradually have to get over. So the example of Raghunathas is very nice because he gave his money and as the story goes on beyond the, the, the Panihati event itself, he went home and he looked for the opportunity, of course, to uh, join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? I think Nityananda Prabhu blessed him and he got a darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, don't be foolish, hmm? stay at home, and look for the opportunity to leave when, it, when the opportunity presents itself. So there he was, faithfully following the householder Dharma, but looking for the opportunity. And when the window opened, he went through that. He never came back. He left home, he, and he went to Puri to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He had tried before to go on the road, and he was brought back and arrested. So this time he went through the jungle in the forest, not through the road. That's like, to give an example, that's like going from here to Los Angeles, walking through, just walk out here <laughs> into the redwoods, you know, and on your way, something like that. That's what he did, barefooted. Hmm? Of course, it wasn't maybe all forest, some pastures, some cow, you know, sheds and stuff. He stayed in and, and, uh, and he did this so that he would not be apprehended. Parents sent out a whole group search party, right? And they went all the way to Puri on the main road. They couldn't find him. They came back. We can't find him. Hmm? I think Mother finally said, we have tried to shackle him with the ball and chain of material attachment, but his attachment for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has broken that. What will, what will material shackles do? How, his, his affinity... For Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his longing for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we cannot break that. Hmm? There's nothing material that can break that. So again, his impetus was positive. His renunciation was sealed hmm? on the basis of his positive longing. He had reached a longing for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, just like we long for something. This is his only object that he longed for. So the mother realized there's no hope. There's nothing. What will material... We could handcuff him hmm? and tie him in a ball and chain. He would get out. Hmm? There's, there's nothing that can hold him back. So uh, he went, as I say, by the through the jungle. He arrived there, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very pleased to see him. Oh, well, you've come! Hmm? And so then he stayed in Puri, and his parents sent him money. So, like, he lived in the temple, but the parents send him money every month, you know. And so what did he do with the money? He spent all the monthly earnings that he got to provide prasadam and arrange festivals for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He had had success performing the festival for Nityananda Prabhu, so he he did this. Hmm? Until he got reached a point 
where he he felt this is this is just isn't right. Here I am living as a renunciate, but I get money from mom and dad every month. Even though he spent every penny of it, he was still feeling this isn't right. I shouldn't accept any any maintenance from anyone. I live only at the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he began then to refuse the offerings. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu approached him one day or through through Sarup Damodar asked, what happened to those festivals you were arranging? Mm-hmm. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could understand, but he asked, he said, well, Raghunath Das has stopped taking money from home. Mahaprabhu said, oh, very good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, excuse me, so then he had, how would he eat? So he would go and stand in front of the lion's gate, gate to the temple of Jagannath Puri, it's famous, one of the famous entrances, the Singhadwara, the lion's gate, and he would People beg there, beggars there, and there's Jagannath Temple is is probably the largest temple in um, in Southeast Asia, in India, and they have like 54 kitchens, and hundreds of cooks are engaged every single day for cooking for Jagannath. I think they have 54 offerings too, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's I don't know numbers might be inaccurate. Lots of offerings, lots of kitchens, huge, huge. The kitchen. Complex is 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 uh, is enormous, and so there's lots of prashad, and then every day it's distributed, hmm? and people buy prashad. If they give donation, they get prashad, and so forth. So beggars would be out there, and and so he was there with his begging bowl, hmm? and then the beggars would come, and and then uh, he was that was his standard of renunciation, how he would maintain himself. And then he found what he found himself thinking that uh, uh, he uh, avoided one person and looked for another one who was carrying the sweets or something like that. And so he thought, "This isn't good," you know. So he said, "I'm not going to do this anymore." So then he 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 went to the cow shed where the cows of the deity were kept, who received Jagannath Prashad after. All the humans had been fed, whatever was left over, Prashad, was given to the cows. Hmm? And after the cows had eaten, whatever they had left, that's what he would go and eat. Hmm? And so Mahaprabhu heard, what happened to Raghunath? Don't no see he's in front of the lion's gate anymore. What's happening with that? So oh, now he's doing this. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, oh, very nice. Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to the cow shed. And there was Raghunath, like picking out some grain of rice, a few, and washing them off. And Mahaprabhu said, what is this? You are having a feast and you have not invited me. He snatched that rice, hmm? cow remnants of Jagannath from the hand of Raghunath and popped it in his mouth. Hmm? So he was, in other words, so what does Krishna eat? You see, it's not so much the offering, but it's it's ourselves that are to be offered. And Raghunath Das was really offering him himself. He was making himself completely dependent upon Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu brought him into his entourage entirely, put him under the care of Sarup uh, Damodar and so forth. And this is just a synopsis of the story. It's a beautiful story here in the sixth uh, chapter of the Anti Leela. And the kind of beginning, as I say, of his really getting the grace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes from this Panihati festival where Nityananda Prabhu blessed him. So we're also to learn that 
that Nityananda Prabhu should never be neglected. He is the doorway to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's heart. He began the Gaudi movement, Gaudi mission, Chaitanya Vaishnavism by directing everyone. Bajagauranga, Kahagauranga, Lahagaurangirnam. Sing about Gaur, worship Gaur, follow the teachings of Gaur. Whoever does this, then I give my heart to that person. This is an example. Shri Nityananda Prabhu ki jai. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ki jai. Raghunathas Goswami ki jai. Sri Panihati Mahamahotsubha ki jai. Any question? Yes. Uh, regarding the uh, renunciation thing, uh, Prabhupada used to say that human life is meant for tapasya, and we should be quoted um, the, the, the two syllables that were uh, revealed to Brahma and sitting in the lotus, the tapa. Um, uh, could you elaborate on that? You know, Prabhupada would say human life is worth the pussy, but more readily he would not quote that. He would quote from the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam Nayam you know. It's from the teachings, I think, of Rishabhdev. He said, human life should not be spent simply for eating and sleeping, even the pigs are eating or something like this. It's, it's mentioned there. And, uh, hmm. and so, rather, it's meant, tapodivyam putrakarina shudyad yasmad brahmasukam tvanantam. Tapodivyam, tapa divyam. So divine tapa. Tapodivyam brahmasukam. So, uh, means divine austerity for the Brahma's happiness of of, of Brahman the Absolute and so Tapodibyam Putrakad Sudyad Yasmat Brahmasukam Twanantam. So for unlimited happiness for the real the joy of spiritual life, Tapodibyam. So if we study the teachings of Vrishabdev we see that he's teaching um bhakti. Hmm? So there is tapa in the context of bhakti. Brahma's tapa also was in the context of bhakti. Tapa means fire also. Hmm? It means knowledge. We have the Gopal tapani. Hmm? So it sheds light on Gopal. Light, knowledge, austerity, they're related. Um, ignorance here in the verse of Rishabhdev is compared to just sense indulgence. So austerity is moving away from sense indulgence. Hmm? So that's from darkness um, to light. So there is renunciation in the context of bhakti, as I want to say, but it's not an advocacy renunciation unto itself, but renunciation in the context of bhakti. And we see there are, there's, a, there's plenty of opportunity for that as well. So we can do the fasting, and so this should be kept in mind. Hmm? And we should see, we should moderate that, see if, if as a result of doing it, I'm getting more absorbed or, or, or not. The idea is to become absorbed on that day, for example, in, in, uh, in Krishna consciousness. Does that help? Tapodibhyam. Divine tapa. Tapa means, also means, really sacrifice. 
Giving up of things is, if you understand it properly, it's giving up yourself. And when you're out of things, then you realize, it's me now. <laughs> I'm going to go on the altar. Here I am, that's it. So, anything else? Yes. One thought came to my mind was, it kind of seemed like, the fact that Raghunath Das Goswami stopped taking money from his parents is kind of similar to the renunciation of not taking prasad. Because, you know, he could have facilitated festivals for Mahaprabhu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the idea there is that he was uh, um, felt himself dependent on outside sources even though he was spending all the money like that, that he that he was it was improper for a renunciate to be receiving money. And it's a little bit contextual, I mean, according to the times and so forth and so on. Now we have, you know, a different situation. For example, now in, in those times, a renunciate um, would be seen in a different way. Today, you'd be looked like something wrong with you, perhaps, and... You didn't. We could say Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had no money, but he preached all over the world. The Goswamis had no money, but they had a big effect. You could say so. What do you need money for? Well, the times are a little different. I mean, you can't do anything. You can't. You can't. You know, get, anybody in America could run for president, but unless you got a millions of dollars, nobody's even going to know you're running because of the nature of the you know the, the society today and to get people's attention. Uh, it's required in, in the previous times to get people's attention all you had to do was be renounced therefore Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas immediately he was recognized the door would be open for him everywhere a uh, teachable moment was created and, and so forth but today that doesn't happen hmm. um, so one of my godbrothers said that the dunda which is the staff I don't agree with it entirely but there's some truth to it in Kali Yuga is a PhD so if you get a PhD, people will listen to you, you know, and they'll invite your article, uh, you know, on Huffington Post or whatever, you know, because there you go, you know. So it's an opulence, right? Knowledge or degree or money. And so to, uh, we found that, probably found that, that, uh, uh, that Americas, for example, have lots of money, and so to use the money for propagating Krishna consciousness it would be, Effective, and so it's a little bit of a different circumstance. <clears throat> I mean, I have some students who live here, and their parents send money, and we we we, we use it in Krishna consciousness. That's true, um, but um, in order to facilitate the spreading of Krishna consciousness, it really wasn't required. Hmm. It wasn't required for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to have festivals. Um, I mean, he was having. There would be festivals anyway. His life was a festival, <laughs> so to speak. So um, it's more he's kind of exhibiting the idea of uh, of Sharanagati, uh, you know, the center core of that, maintained only by by Krishna, and uh, that was like the norm. If you're going to be a renunciate, people would think. What's this? You renunciate, but people's mom and dad are sending you a check every month. What kind of renunciation is that? Hmm. So, 
Again, also, he was setting a standard of renunciation that, that demonstrated that bhakti was not short on renunciation, although it was preoccupied with the love affairs of Radha and Krishna. It was entirely um, um, uprooted from material existence. That, that has nothing to do with material attachment. They're polar opposites, something like that. So they, not only Raghunath Das, but the other Goswami set a very extreme uh, standard of renunciation to make that point. Gaur Premanande, Hari Hari Bo. Right.